Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, guys. Happy Cinco de Mayo. It is obviously May 5th, and it's time for Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got to adjust my speakers a little bit after I unplug my microphone, but things are going well. Hopefully you weren't getting too bad an echo on me, Nick. Uh, the chat is hopping this morning, yeah. so everybody's ready to go. It's, it's excited running through Broncos country. The draft is now over, and now it's like, all right, we're ready to go now. Players are here. Yeah, there's still that little bit of getting them signed and trained and all that kind of stuff, so... We'll uh, we'll have plenty to talk about. I think Mark Schrader asked me, he's like, what are we going to talk about now? I'm like, we launched this thing in April last year. We managed to do okay. We'll, we'll be okay. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll find things to talk about. We can get really into the the weeds of the football team building stuff, football philosophy, game theory. So it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, and Nick, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm old enough to remember the Baltimore Colts. I'm like, I think, uh, when did they move to Indianapolis? Oh, man, I before my time. I, I yeah, no but I, I remember... They weren't always. I can't tell. Someone looked that up for me, so I'm not sta- looking at this wiki page. But uh, I'm, I remember they were the Baltimore Colts because you know Cleveland Browns and went to Baltimore a couple years later. Hmm. So yeah, I remember the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. Also, uh, growing up, if I was playing Madden for fun, you know, I'd be the Broncos. But sometimes we'd play Madden pretty competitively. Uh, some of my friends and other people uh, in the area. And when that was the case, I was the Colts because Dwight Freeney was a cheat code. And you couldn't stop uh, Peyton Manning to Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne. I think it uh, says 1983, 1983. So yeah, Clay says 84. So thank you, Clay. Thank you so much, Clay. We got uh, Ethan's in the house too. Happy Cinco de Mayo, gents. And Broncos country, absolutely. Massive Attack fan. This is a name I don't uh, recognize. So uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Um, He said he's got his bell bottoms on too. (laughs) Uh, Not sure about that one, but I'm appreciating it. Luke Wright saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. Let's ride. So excited for the season. Absolutely. Uh, we got Christos Jenkins coming in saying morning Broncos family might sound crazy, but was just talking to my wife about uh, JNCO jeans last wife, a stupid fad. Okay. So they're jeans. I have no idea. Scott, is that before my time too? Jink- Jinko jeans? I don't know what those are. I remember acid wash from the eighties. There's not a lot of fashion things that survive the eighties, except the mullet seems to be making a comeback for God's sakes. Boys. No, it's like women in these high waisted, you know, shorts. No, no, no. You don't need to be out there and coach, you know, overweight, middle-aged softball coaches pants no <laughs> the mullet wasn't good then it's not good now leave it in the past i do really like the uh we can bring back more like synthesizer and music that was a good time i enjoyed that and uh, the bright colors vibrant colors here for that oh, i'm uh, all about colors yeah for yeah. sure i mean i this is about as bright as i ever go is something like this is as, as a blue a light blue but uh yeah i like colors. my daughter she looks like a uh she goes out looking like a paisley easter egg is what she looks like most of the time <laughs> i love it as I say, we're in my 100th black Iowa sweatshirt. Um, Sean Burns coming in. Good morning, guys. EJ's in the house. Good morning, Nick and S- Scott. And happy Cinco de Mayo, Broncos country. 
And uh, Chris, I saw saying the days inch closer and closer to that first kickoff can already smells the wind come winds coming. You sound like uh, Natalie, my partner here, uh, Christos, because she keeps saying, oh, I'm so ready for fall. I'm like, we have a whole summer. We got to enjoy first. I, if you skip summer, <laughs> I'm going to be very upset with how dreary uh, this winter has been. So, uh, no, summer first, then we can enjoy the winter. I, I need a break. I'm <laughs> I'm ready for a summer, some sort of some sort of summer vacation because I haven't done much of anything uh, since Christmas. So we're inching our way there. U.S. Dave saying morning, all good to see you. Uh, Jeremy Sean saying good morning, Broncos for breakfast, brethren. I was thinking Nick Benito's sack celebration should be raising the flag like you do at Casa Benito. Just a thought. Uh, are you aware of this? Is a Scott and I are not from Denver. Are you aware of what Casa Benito is, Scott? Is that uh, ring about? It you? sounds like it was of the. I, my guess was it was a restaurant that they signed Nathaniel Hackett at, but I don't really know what it is. It's not the one that they signed Nathaniel Hackett at. And actually, you I know, think not it, signed, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a different Mexican place that took Casa Benita or they took Nathaniel Hackett to. Um, I think the guys, Trey and uh, Chris, I want to say the, the South Park writers um, bought Casa Benito because it was going under and they made jokes to it constantly on South Park. So uh, mm -hmm. somebody have to let us know that's a local Denver there. Um, we got Gary Neighbors in the house saying, go Broncos. Good to see you. Mark, speak of the, uh, not speak of the devil, but to speak of great supporter here, Mark Schrader. We were just talking about you. What are we going to do in the offseason? We'll do enough. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Uh, good morning, gents. Good to see you. The real Travis Scott coming in here. Good morning, everyone. Travis Scott, I think, follows me on Twitter. Uh, so good to see you in here, Travis. Um, Albert Breers also, uh, Albert Knoppers. Albert, Albert Knoppers also in here. Good morning, guys. Just heading into work. Well, Who's in here? Who's in here listening to us in the shower? Let us know. That seems to be our, uh, our, our, our where we really just, you know, I was do the thinking best. about the show in the shower. Does that count? It depends on what specifically you're thinking about. Yeah, that's um, not no. any weirder, is it? Yeah, you know, it, again, it come, depends. Bama X, good morning to you. Aloha to Greg Smith. Dave Glassman in the house as well. And, uh, yeah, we got, we got a bunch of people coming in. So today we're going to talk about, now we're talking about jeans fashion down here. Um, Gotta love it. Today, we're going to get into it. E, uh, Big E Bronco also. Good morning to you. The Broncos ranking in the post-draft power rankings. So the NFL Network, uh, NFL.com's Dan Hanzus, who is an around-the-NFL reporter, did a post-draft power ranking for the entire NFL. And, well, let's just say that the Broncos are back. You know, back again, relevant. I sent an article to Chad. It's not been published yet. Somebody tease chat about that. No, but uh, we are definitely going to uh, discuss that. And we also got our first super coming in here, uh, coming in from Max Power saying, who do you guys compare cornerback Mathis to? I think Darby. I think that's a, not a bad uh, comparison. I think they're going to let Mathis kind of figure out his best fit in the defense, um, given his, I think he could play slot just as easily as he could play boundary cornerback. And uh, where he ends up is where he ends up. I think Darby makes sense, but uh I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this, Scott? I don't. And I cheat nowadays now that I know that mock draftable is there, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know him well enough and I don't know the rest of the league well enough at this point to to say he is. But the, his his number one physical comparison was uh, Chimini Chekwa from Ohio State in 2011. Ambry Thomas last year was a guy. Now, see, I know those guys. I just I don't know how to compare. What I know about Ambry Thomas is Ambry Thomas was a fighter. Um, he had some trouble last year as a rookie corner and had some, <clears throat> I think Russell Gage toasted him a few times mm -hmm. with Atlanta, helped get Russell Gage about $40 million. And then Ambry Thomas was really good after that, uh, rookie out of Michigan last year with the, with the 49ers. 
JC Jackson and Janoris Jenkins are also other uh, players that, that mock draftable compares them to from a physical standpoint. Yeah. And let's, I'm pulling up right now. Let's see what Lance Zerline has to say over on NFL network. Um, says he's going to go in the third round. So that's a good one. <laughs> Got a value there. I thought so as well. And uh, don't see a actual player comparison. So I mean, yeah, Ronald Darby makes some sense, you know, kind of twitchy. Darby was a better athlete coming out. Then uh, like he was bigger too. Um, is he, is he over six feet? Was Darby with a little bit more length because, uh, he's six, he's five eleven, but he's got a six, five and a half wingspan. So again, those long arms is, uh, and what does I tell it? I was looking at the Utah jazz point guard and he was six, one with a six, 10 wingspan. I'm like, here, let Jesus. me tie my shoes. Okay. Done. <laughs> Doesn't have to bend over at the waist. Those, that's a crazy, uh, crazy frame. He's almost seven foot wingspan on a six foot one frame. Those are the guys that always, uh, yeah, honey, can you turn out the lights? Yeah, let me read. <laughs> Don't even have to get out of bed. Uh, yeah, but Darby, uh, Darby tested crazy at the combine as far as the 40 yard dash and the jumps. 96 percentile vertical jump, 89th broad jump, 89th 40 yard dash, 96 percentile 10 yard split. So really fast. Um, not massive, but, uh, yeah, but no, Darby think, Darby didn't go to in the fourth, did he? No, Darby was a like one of the first picks in the second round. Yeah, um, coming out of Florida State, so um, definitely something. Well, kind of, I need to see these guys when the live bullets are flying too. Uh, something can stick there, but right now I, I can't think of a cornerback who would make total sense. I don't even know what his role will be yet, but I like the pick. I like the physicality. I like the overall skill set. Like the ball skills. My favorite pick of the draft. Um, Damari Mathis, Gary leads Palmer coming in saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. Good morning to you, Gary. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Rob's also in the house saying good morning, Nick and Scott thoughts on signing Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal. Now that the draft is over, it depends on the cost of it. Um, I think I would have been fine with Jadavian Clowney and I'm very much a proponent of getting somebody who is a better run defender <laughs> along the defensive line of the edge spots than the Broncos currently have, which Jadavian Clowney would be. Uh, but that said, you are dealing with less and less cash. You still have to sign your draft class and anything that you spend this year, you can't roll over to next year where you have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of questions, not only the Russell Wilson contract, that's probably going to be re-upped, but also you have Dalton Reisner is going to be a free agent. Draymond Jones is going to be a free agent. Bradley Chubb is going to be a free agent. Being that your first pick was at 64, your, your draft class is going to have a very minimal impact on your, uh, on your overall salary cap this year. So that's not too much of a worry. Yeah. Um, but let's see coming in, you know, you got Randy Gregory, you got, mm -hmm. you, you've added, uh, Nick Benito, you got Bradley Chubb. You want to count Malik Willis in there? Um, not Malik Willis. I'm sorry, Malik Reed. I'm still in draft mode. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's, he, I would advocate for it, assuming the price is right. You know, that's always the assumption. We always say that, but it's always true. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what's he want to come in for and would he be available? Um, right now I'd say no. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to spend money there. I'd, I'd feel pretty good about the guys I've got, knowing the upside there. I'd, I'd honestly, I'd want to say we're not. We signed you, Randy Gregory. We believe in you, Bradley Chubb. We drafted Nick Benito. I'm not hedging right now. I'm not. I've got guys. I've got guys that can really do the job and be plus. I'm not putting doubts in their mind. I want to back them. I, as a general manager, as a coach, I want to empower them. I want to back them. I want them feeling confident. Not immediately looking over their shoulder and these guys don't trust me here. Um, yeah. I want, I want them to feel good. And I, I know that's, that's part of the man management part of things and doesn't make sense on a, on a spreadsheet or on a video game, 
But I want Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb and Nick Benito coming in knowing that they've got full backing of the Denver Broncos and not looking over their shoulders immediately thinking, man, I just signed here and they're already replacing me. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I will say that uh, if this does happen and I would be interested in Clowney still, um, you're, you're right in all your points. Um, It's kind of a, it's not a crowded room right now, but it's full. Mm -hmm. And if I like Clowney, don't get me wrong. He could help the team for sure. Yeah. I just, you know, when we talk about the volatility of the edge position, Nick, I don't want to throw in a, Stick a dynamite. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that makes it pop. You know, in it a does. Good way. It does. <laughs> maybe it's risky. The whole, the yeah. whole edge class, the whole edge is your biggest risk on the team this year. I think we both yeah. agree on that. Yep. Uh, it's either that or the <clears throat> entirety of the offensive line. Um, given you don't really have some standouts, I would say on the, any of the spots, but yeah, um, you're, you're correct in that one. And not and, necessarily uh, risk, but highest variance. Yes. It no, could absolutely. be the strength of the team. It could be the weakness of the team. Whereas yeah. the offensive line is never going to be the strength of the team. We know it's a risk. That's that. Yeah. So let me rephrase. You're right. Cause you're, yes. you're, you're dead on. You're dead on that one. Uh, the one thing I will say coming back to this uh, clowny discussion here is that if the Broncos had a deal in hand uh, to send Malik Reed somewhere for, you know, like a 2024 fifth round pick or, you know, 2024 four, and you send back a 2024 seven, then, uh, Sign me up. You know, you create a spot then. There's already talk about, you know, Browning maybe sticking more at edge this season than off ball. I think that has as much to do with how little the Broncos are going to be playing linebackers as it does, you know, not being happy with what Browning did last year at linebacker. Uh, But definitely a discussion. He's one of the guys out there that interests me. For a discount also, if you're looking for more of that bull type of edge rusher that has some strength and mass to it, uh, Carlos Dunlap is still out there. He could be had for super cheap. Uh, he's massive. God, I loved him coming out of Florida. He was one of my first uh, draft draft crushes, honestly, coming out of Florida, what, 6'8", 270 pounds. And uh, then you also have Trey Flowers, um, who's also kind of a little shorter, but uh, one of those pocket-crunching defensive tackles, defensive ends that did some good stuff at Arkansas. So uh, Ashton's in here. What's up, guys? Good to see you, Ashton. We also got Michael Curse, and I don't want to say any specific names, but if he gets hurts again, we got to trade him. Uh, but he needs to produce value. I think this is talking about... If we're talking red- edge... Trades out of the question if he's hurt again. It's done. Yeah, you know he's yep. he's he's gone. Um, this would be his last season. He's not under contract next year. He's a free agent after this year. If he gets hurt again, his days as a Denver Bronco are over, and you get nothing in return. Flat out. Yep. Yeah. Speaking Except of flat maybe out, maybe a comp pick, maybe yep. down the yep. road if someone else signs him, uh, then then that's your best case. So uh, I always forget about that. Um, you get a you, you you could you'd be banking on getting a comp pick for Bradley Chubb if he gets hurt, uh, and if he goes out and has a great season, you still can't trade him. Basically, unless you trade Bradley Chubb now, you know before the season, you're not trading Bradley Chubb. Yeah, no, absolutely, um, definitely. Of a good I say point that on traded Von Miller in last year his deal. So again, yeah, but we'll again, then the the Broncos George Payton didn't delude himself into thinking the Broncos were a contender last year, despite hovering around 500 most of the time. So he went yeah. ahead and picked up a two and a three and and, and lost uh, Von Miller for the year. What a good trade in hindsight. Really helpful for the yeah, Broncos. Good for Von, again, yeah. You're watching bad football. And it, it, there was so much bad football last year. And with the expanded playoffs, you're like, hey, we're five and six and we're in the thick of this thing. Yeah, but we suck. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a good product. Um, but what do I know? The NFL's a monster. So yeah. they seem to be doing just fine by being more inclusive with teams that aren't any good. Yeah. Circling it back around here uh, to the main topic here. We are talking about NFL power rankings 
And Scott, you probably already saw where the Broncos fell in the rankings, but I'm going to read the teams just to get to where the Broncos are first to kind of get an mm-hmm. idea of the pecking order. And uh, we can discuss the teams above the Broncos first uh, before getting into what they have to say about Denver. So number one overall is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, number two is the Los Angeles Rams. Number three is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number four is the Cincinnati Bengals. Number five is the San Francisco 49ers. Number six is the Green Bay Packers. Number seven, the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Broncos are number eight. So uh, here we are um, using talking about the Broncos. Top 10. That's great. Uh, how do you feel about the teams that are ranked prior to the Broncos? Anything there that you would really change or something that uh, sticks out as, you know, really you believe in that one? I like the Buffalo Bills, number one. You know, I can live mm-hmm. with that one. Um, the Rams at number two. Uh, yeah, okay. Bucks number three it makes sense. Bengals. I I, th- I honestly think the Bengals might be a little high at four. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of scraped their way into the playoffs and got hot. You know, there was people talk about, oh, look at the terrible offensive line. The Bengals did it. The Bengals barely made the playoffs. You know, yeah. that's that's not something I want to try and um, <clears throat> try and replicate. It's like, oh, offensive line doesn't matter. You know, hoo ha. Forty mm-hmm. uh, ers at five also seems a little bit high. Mm-hmm. Packers at six. Um, you know, what, what do they have this year is a, is, is a big question. You know, you're losing Devonte Adams, you're putting quarter of your money, uh, into, uh, into Aaron Rodgers. Have you gotten better there? Cause you got knocked out in the first last year. Um, chiefs, I'm going to put the chiefs ahead of the Broncos until proven. Otherwise you beat yeah. me 13 times in a row. You're going to stay ahead of me until I win one. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that all makes sense. Then just looking just a shade below, uh, the Chargers are solid at nine. The Raiders at ten. So how about that? You know, That's we what have I was an AFC gonna... West guy here or what? Seven, eight, yeah. nine, ten in the AFC West. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be yeah. fun. Those teams are good enough. It's like oh, they'll they'll beat each other up. No, this isn't an unbalanced schedule like baseball. You know, you go five hundred against your your division opponents, you can still go fourteen and three. Yeah. So if they beat each other up, as long as they stay healthy, you know, if they if they're just beating each other up by record, so what? This isn't college football anymore. You know, where you had to go perfect. Um, this is more like new college football where you just have to get close. Um, and in this case, hover around 500 and eke in just above 500. And you're probably making the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob Foster coming in the silent owner of the big support here. Thank you so much, Jacob. And I agree with you for the most part, Scott, I think they did a good job with the, uh, this is Dan Hanzus who does good work over at NFL network and NFL.com. Uh, but bills number one. Yes. Rams number two. Yes. Tampa Bay number three with Tom Brady back. Yes. After that, Cincinnati at four, uh, San Francisco at five. Eh, I would probably put, uh, honestly, you mentioned it. Like, what are we going to see with Green Bay this year? You know what I'm going to see is a team that's same as last year, dominant defense. I think we really under, underestimate how good that Packers defense is. I think they're and, great. And I like the Chiefs better than the Bengals. Yeah. You know, over, over a course of, you know, a, a one-off match is different, but over the course of a 17-game season, I think the Chiefs are a better overall team than the Bengals still. And we'll have a better record at the end of the day, um, despite the fact that they're playing in it. Well, it's not that much tougher division. The the AFC North is no cakewalk. No. Um, speaking of cakewalk, uh, the the NFC South Saints eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> the the AFC the AFC South is a train wreck. Um, yeah. So it's your divisional football is going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun week in and week out. Yeah, no, it will be fun. Um, we got new, also fun. Lawrence Rivera coming in saying Cinco de Mayo, baby. Cinco de Mayo. Mayo. God bless. 
excuse me. I have uh, food in my brain. Um, and I also, <laughs> you guys know from yesterday, I don't speak Spanish, which is a big regret in my life. But Cinco de Mayo, um, thank you so much. We also got Michael Ronquillo coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Let's write that. you to the South with your Spanish pronunciations, man. Then it makes sense. Hey, man, happy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> you fit Sorry. right in down here, brother. <laughs> uh, you know, I do enjoy Mexican food a lot. And uh, one of my best friends is Mexican. And he, uh, you know what? I would tease him just pronouncing everything as wrong as I possibly could. So uh, maybe I got, I did myself in on that one. Uh, Cause oh just, yeah. You know, just you to tell be your troll. Spanish teacher, Hey, Hakalugi, you know, she's like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, good to see you, Michael. Hope you're doing well down there in Tucson. And uh, we got Glenda Lee coming in here saying the only way we will be respected is to put up or shut up. Changes are coming. So tired of the irrelevant narrative. You with me guys. I think the Broncos have been irrelevant. And I think it was prior to the draft last year where Kyle Brandt said, you know, who gives a bleep about the Broncos uh, because nobody cares since Peyton Manning's walked out, you know, they they're boring. They're bad. Yawn. Um, and he's proven right. That was a year ago. I don't think he's, he's not saying that now. So don't come for Kyle Brandt's life. Uh, he's there to make, you know, content and be engaging, which, that one got some eyeballs on him, uh, but Broncos are not irrelevant anymore at eight overall. That said, Glenda's hundred percent correct. This is a pre a post draft power ranking until we actually see them win football games against teams that are good. Uh, then it means very little other than keeping us, you know, hot airbags going uh, during the off season. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Scott. I think if we were doing this power ranking, I would put the green Bay Packers uh, four. As much, not because the Green Bay Packers are, you know, that much more dominant than Kansas City or the Broncos or anything like that with their questions on coaching's coaching staff leaving and uh, losing Devontae Adams. But the a the NFC North is freaking horrible. Like the like this is a safe bet to put the Packers up there because I don't know if there's a division that is actually worse. Like I think the Saints provide a much better punch uh, as a chance against Tampa Bay than anybody in the NFC North. The Vikings look not great at all. The Lions are probably, you know, two years away. I love what they did in the draft, um, but they're probably still two years away. And uh, the Bears are, God, who even knows? Um, that team is doing everything they can to not empower Justin Fields and probably put themselves in the quarterback market next season. So uh, Packers up there as well. Uh, but the Broncos at eight, you got to love it. Um, that's a good spot for them. Uh, you know no who had the, the eighth best record last year? The eighth and what best it was. record. Um. I'm going to go with, they went 10 and seven, 11 and six, 11 and six, 11 and six. It was Buffalo bills were 11 and six. So mm-hmm. nine was 10 and seven. So would you take 11 and six right now? Probably. Yeah. Yep. You, you probably take that. So eight, eight's about right. Eight, eight, eight feels about right for the Denver Broncos. They're getting the benefit of the doubt of they will be a lot better this year. So they're getting respect this year. They are. Yeah, and Jason coming in saying Chiefs lost to Cincy twice in four weeks last year, and everyone still takes Kansas City over Cincinnati, LMAO. I mean, that's a good point. I will say that matchups make fights. Um, sometimes the styles of teams, you know, it's a kind of like, and you see it in college basketball. How does this one team always beat the good team mm-hmm. or they lose to everyone else? It's stylistically, the Chiefs did not have uh, the type of defense specifically um, to hang with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. You know, they had very small uh, cornerbacks that couldn't hang at the catch point and Jamar Chase and T Higgins beat the hell out of them. Uh, so also the Kansas city, they're having a remake of their team, but their defense seems to be rejuvenated with a lot of interesting talent. And Scott mentioned it earlier. Um, it's not that we're selling on the Bengals, but what the Bengals did last year going to the super bowl was 
kind of improbable. like improbable. Improbable is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the 2012 Ravens. You know, they beat the number one seed Denver. They go to New England and they win, and then they beat the number one NFC seed um, in uh, the 49ers. If you get hot and get in, the, if you get in the playoffs and get hot, anything can happen. Uh, but if they played. Let's say if they played the Bills, you know, if for some reason the Bills got the, you know, the overtime rules were different and the Bills won that game. Who knows what happens with Cincinnati? So, yeah, uh, and I'm going to tell you, this is again, matchups, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's matchups on this. So yeah, the, especially on that day, um, the Cincinnati Bengals were better than the Chiefs without a doubt. So I'm the, the matchup favored the Bengals. I just think over the course of a 17 game season, all else being equal, I think the Chiefs would probably have a better record at the end of the day. I'd be talked out of that though. I don't feel that strongly about it i just think top to bottom i think they're a better team Mm. that doesn't mean they're going to beat them head to head it's it's different matchups different styles different conditions you know different circumstances um but i would i would have the chiefs ahead of the Bengals right now i would doesn't make me right but that's what i do yep the real uh wild card here and we haven't talked about them yet is the the browns uh with deshaun watson that roster on paper looks pretty darn good uh they have Somebody asked us, you know, on Tuesday, if you guys can pick three players on defense, three players in the league, who would you pick right now? First player that comes to mind for me, that's not a quarterback, is Miles Garrett. You know, they have one of the most valuable guys in football. And we had a super there. Um, I don't know where that went. Want to say hello to Stuart Sanchez. Hey, guys, I listen to y'all all the time. Just wanted to say, hey, let's ride. Thank you so much, Stuart. Uh, that means a heck of a lot. You know, obviously, the coming in and supporting us like that is very helpful. Um, but even if you can't, you know, just the support, make sure you subscribe and like, and share over on Facebook and YouTube. Mark Schrader, also big time supporter of the show. Good to see you, Mark with the, the stars over on Facebook. We appreciate yep, you. Big stars. And he came in want to make sure we get this comment too. says, I like the Sobert resigning good special teams player. What are your thoughts? And do you think it's, uh, it possibly spells the end for Beck? I think it definitely could spell the end for Beck. Um, I think the end for Beck was possible with Eric Tomlinson and Greg Dulcich even before the signing. Um, the one that does for me, and this might be a hot take, uh, but I'm circling back to George Payton's comments after the press conference where they, you know, they said, Oh, we got another 2023 third right now. We have five picks in 2023, but by the time the draft rolls around, we're going to have a lot more. That means that the Broncos are going to have to trade some players. Um, and I don't think that means they're trading those third round picks for a hundred seven round seventh round picks. Uh, there's been more and more data coming out that the picks after the top 120 any given year are pretty much the same as undrafted free agents. So that's a reason that after the George Payton also said in the press conference, um, once you trade after the fourth round, nobody wants to give you future picks. It's because picks rounds five through seven, historically, uh, very, very low odds to being guys. But you're getting potential he didn't starters just say there. Probably. He said, I guarantee we'll yeah. have more picks. Guarantee yeah. we'll have more than five picks. Yep. So. So they're going to have to find to get some picks from somewhere. And uh, what does that mean? Probably trading players. Based on what I'm gathering, you know, getting out Dulcich out there, Tomlinson, everything. I'm curious if the Broncos would not, not be motivated sellers, you know, but listening, not hanging up the phone. If teams are calling on Albert Um, He has been, he's put two years of control left here in Denver. Uh, essentially a big slot uh, receiver right now, given what they've said about his blocking ability. And, uh, I don't know. Something just smells to me like, you know, if somebody offered you a fourth round pick and you sent Albert Okoibanam and a six or something like that, that I don't know if they'd hang up. I, I really don't. So, uh, again, spelling the end of Beck very possibly, but I think the sign, all this signing along with Dulcich and Tomlinson makes it that, uh, maybe, uh, Albert Okoibanam is somebody that we should think about potentially being on the move. 
And as we've seen with George Payton's reign <laughs> so far as the uh, Broncos general manager, he has not been super loyal to the previous regime's draft selections other than Cortland Sutton. That'd be strange. I'll, I will be, <clears throat> I know he was on the block before, but you know, so was fan. I, I'd be surprised yeah. if both of those guys were gone. Doesn't mean it won't happen, but it would surprise me if, if you lose both Okawebenam and Fant in the same calendar year. Yeah. Uh, that would surprise me. Yep. I just, the way he's talked about it, you know, moving some guys, it sounds like they're going to have to shop somebody. Um, so you, who, who is it? Who's that going to be? Um, Eric and I are going to talk about that more on Friday night. And we can get into that here as well. Uh, but definitely something to consider. Uh, D money coming in here. D money coming in here. Uh, Chargers secondary versus Broncos secondary after the Callahan, Callahan edition. Honestly, I think Denver has better depth. It's close. Uh, now, this is going to be a real sort of kind of milk toast answer uh, on this one, but I'm very much a believer that uh, pass rush, in fact, if, impacts the secondary as much as anything. And I'll take uh, Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack over what the Broncos have. So the Chargers secondary will look better. Also, for as much as I love, and I'm serious, love uh, Justin Simmons as a player, um, Derwin James is a more dynamic player when he's out there on the field. It's no disrespect to Justin Simmons. He's more steady, Eddie, and very good at what he does. Derwin James is probably the single most impactful safety. What about corners? Can you, you have, do they have two corners that can match up with Darby and Sertan? Uh, they're not as good as Darby and Sertan, but they are pretty close. Mm -hmm. um, I will say they have, so they signed JC Jackson, a uh, big mm -hmm. money deal. Mm -hmm. um, they have a, <clears throat> they paid, oh God, they paid somebody two years ago. That was pretty good money too. That the Broncos were interested in. They, they drafted Asante Samuel Jr. Who was really good for them a couple years, uh, last year as well as a rookie, um, kind of a slot player. Um, but, uh, Good player, no doubt about that. Um, but what really stands out to me is the I think the Broncos do have better Broncos do have better uh depth as far as the cornerback room, but I would take the Chargers safeties all day. Um, even with Justin Simmons. I mean, Kareem Jackson, don't let this get to him because he'll at me on Twitter and be angry about it. But you know, he's lost a step out there. It's, it appears to me. Uh has not been as good. Um, but the Chargers have, you know, not only Derwin James, they also have uh Nasir Adderley, who is from Delaware, a really good pick for them in 2019. He's had some injury issues, but I think he's a really good player. Um, and they also drafted JT Woods in the second, um, the third, excuse me, your guy, Scott. I um, like JT Woods a lot. And, and yeah. I like him going to a situation where he won't be needed right away too. Yep. Um, you know, he's got, you talk about traits. He's got him in spades. <clears throat> um, yep. Just an amazing athlete and go kill it on special teams for a year. Learn the craft a little bit. Let Derwin James take you under your wing, you know, big brother, him shadow him for a year and uh, i do I, I really like that pick and I, I just i don't know of course it's la chargers they're still san diego chargers to me i'm like that's yeah. where like when i when we were doing where do you want to be in x amount of years you know when i did that as a senior in high school i was the general manager for the san diego chargers mm -hmm. <laughs> i was like i like the colors um they and i like san fun. diego and i want to fly airplanes so um yeah. it's just uh a good situation for JT Woods out there. Now it's LA. I'm not as excited about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll give a slight lead to the Broncos. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it more and more, just because I think the other day, you talked yourself um, right out of that one, didn't you? Well, I like the Chargers' safeties better. Um, but I think I really do think that Patrick Sertan is an emerging superstar. Not just you know JC Jackson good, but like the level of play that uh, you can't even um. You can't even think about life without him. I think he's going to be a top three cornerback in the NFL. I mean, he was really good last year at 21 years old. I mean, he's incredible. And I'm excited to see what he can be playing with a lead and uh, better pass rushers in front of him. The fact that he looked that good last year with the Broncos 
suffer ball level of offense and the second worst pass rush in the NFL, according to analytics. And now you're going to have him out there with more depth in the secondary, better pass rush, Russell Wilson, offensive ball. I think, I think Patrick Sertan is a dynamic, dynamic player. Um, and I'm going to tip it to him and Greg Smith. Maybe Greg uh, bullied me into this one saying, come on, Nick, we're building the Broncos. Let's not start tearing them down already. I'm going to call it as I see it. You know, some people are in the uh, rah, rah, everything's great. Awesome. All the time. Uh, some people are, everything sucks. I just want to say, you know, call it as I see it. Well, and this one is, you know, we're, you're, I, I kind of read this one back to the trade discussions as you're moving players away. If you're going to guarantee more draft picks next yeah. year, there's some players going to be on the move. So, yeah. you know, there's, and again, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. When you talk about a six round draft pick, a seventh round draft pick who hasn't played a snap from the practice squad and you trade him for a sixth, you can't predict that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's not, okay, who can move any of those guys from roster spot 38 to 67 on the practice squad? Any of those guys can move at any given time. Those are the ones that are impossible to predict. It's the ones that are in the, you know, the, the, the starting 22 or their backups, you know, so that those 35, 36 players and up that you're like, okay, who could be expendable of this bunch that becomes a little more debatable, um, a little more obvious of, okay, this guy's not good enough, or this guy's on the last year of his deal, those kind of things. Um, yeah. You know, you could end up with more draft picks by moving guys that don't have a shot of ever playing for the Denver Broncos that we don't ever talk about because they don't have a shot of ever playing. Yeah. And I didn't say a uh, sucker ball, <laughs> suffer ball is it. And uh, unfortunately watching the Iowa Hawkeyes on offense, I know about suffer ball all too well. Scott, at some point, I mean, I love my Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, I'm wearing them right now, but holy cow, their offense is just unbelievably painful to watch. Um, you have to enjoy, try to enjoy watching the center, Tyler Linderbaum, to get any any real joy or, you know, butterflies watching that Iowa offense. Not the best in the world. Uh, Toyin coming in here. Toyin Williams saying good morning and afternoon, everyone. Very excited to hear about the Broncos coming to London. We'll be getting a ticket, and I'm sure UK Broncos fans will represent. Absolutely. Um, really excited about that, going over to London, seeing the Broncos. Hopefully we have a better outcome uh, than the last. Although I actually know it was a good outcome. Uh, the last time the Broncos were in London was the Spygate 2.0 incident with uh, Josh McDaniels as the Broncos head coach and uh, Broncos filming the 49ers, I believe, in their walkthroughs and uh, getting found out. And that led to disgrace Josh McDaniels getting fired which in the end led to Von Miller and John Fox and Peyton Manning and that whole era. So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes the wrong turn there gets you to the right destination. So you can't be too upset about that one. Zach and I were talking about it last night. We want to go. So uh, October 30th, uh, there's a decent chance that Zach Kelberman and I are over in London for that game. I'm going to drag him around, go over there a couple days early, maybe stay a day late and drag him around and see some matches in London visit with our UK, our London faithful, anybody that comes down, comes in for that game. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a better than average chance. My wife said no. She knows better than that. She, she You tell me no, it just makes me want to do it more. She yeah. figured me out a long time ago. What she says, what she, what she did when I have a crazy idea is, well, think about that. Or why don't you try a rental first or do something like this? I'm like, all right, fine. Then I come to my senses. You don't tell me no. It just, yeah. that, just, that just makes me want to do it more. So, um. All kidding aside, I want to be over there for that game. Zach wants to be over for that game. We can probably make it happen. Yeah. It'd be fun. Be a lot of fun. Maybe Chelsea would be playing too around that time. I looked at the, I looked at the, uh, that was the first thing I did. I went back and and scrolled down and looked at the fixture list for last October 30th. And 
that because there's international breaks where mm. nobody's playing except the countries and there's nothing there. But that week there was uh, Saturday because they play on Sundays, obviously. Saturday matches, Sunday matches, Monday matches, Tuesday Champions League. Mm-hmm. So there's a I could go over, we could go over and get there Friday morning and come back, you know, Wednesday morning and have Broncos fun and go see all kinds of uh of of European football. So have a have a good time. I think the Broncos will be playing at Wembley as well. Uh not that uh stadium. It is, and I've never been to Wembley. It's not oh. I've never been to Spurs Stadium either. But um you know, I I'd, I'd have more fun at Wembley than Spurs. Yeah. Go uh-huh. to Spurs. Tottenham. So, uh, I'd have more fun, but Wembley would be fun. That's history. You know, Wembley's, yeah. you know, like going to Madison Square Garden or the Coliseum or or something like that. So uh, I'm excited about the Broncos coming over on October 30th. And there's a darn good chance I'm going to be over there, too. It's a lot easier for guys like Zach and I to get over there than it is for guys like Nick. Nick yeah. can get to Japan faster than he can get to uh, than he can get to London. Uh, yeah, we need a Japan game. Um, that'd be great. That's a. Broncos history, just kind of trip down memory lane here. Uh, Broncos played a preseason game in Japan um, back in, maybe it was 1996. And uh, that was the famous uh, Terrell Davis making the team. He was, Terrell Davis was ready to quit, leave. Uh, He was not having a good time in Broncos uh, training camp, preseason, everything like that. And uh, in that preseason game in Japan, uh, he just scarfed down a hot dog beforehand. And then the special teams are like, okay, uh, Davis, you're up. And he's like, Oh man, I'm not feeling very good. I was going to ready to leave and quit. I was looking for, and he was going to fly out of there. He was looking for a plane ticket and they couldn't get it. So he went to the game anyway and uh, ran down the field, made a massive special teams hit. And the coaches are like, who the hell was that Davis? Okay. We're going to get him some reps. We want to see that at running back. And uh, the rest is literally history. Um, so kind of funny. You know, talk, what's that movie from the eighties glass sliding doors, something that's the sliding doors incident. And it's like the alternate realities where one thing like butterfly effect. Oh, the butterfly effect. I knew that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I liked it. Was it weird. weird. <laughs> that was the yeah. Oh, good, yeah, that was the butterfly flick was. It wasn't a great movie, but I it was a thing. It got you thinking. So conceptually, it was interesting. Yeah. yeah, Cassie coming in here saying good morning, all long time no see. Yeah, Cassie, we are, we haven't even been doing the shows uh, since we haven't seen you. No, I'm just kidding. Good to see you, <laughs> Cassie. Uh, me um, talking about San Diego. Me too, Scott. I'll always look at the Chargers in San Diego. I also the I'll say the next part and also the Redskins. Yeah, they're, they they were the, the Washington Redskins. They are yeah. now. The Washington Commanders. Uh, I'm okay with Washington football team, though. Yeah, uh, they'll always be the Redskins to me. It's part of our NFL history. You can't change history. Yeah, that that's what they were. Yeah. Um, what's Cleveland? The Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians sounds a little odd, a little more odd to me. I felt like they could have done um, done better than that one. But hmm. um, I, honestly, I'm okay with those changing, getting into the the politics here. The Redskins seem to me like it. it probably needed a change in the just being called the Cleveland Indians. You know, when you think about what that actually is, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, let's start a team. And we're the Atlanta Caucasians, you know, that that's are the, you know, Atlanta Americans or, you know, it's just, it's just kind of odd. So, you know, like not the Braves or the Seminoles or, you know, something like that, which is a a specific, uh, you know, a warrior or something. Then that's, it's a little, it's just kind of weird, but put it on better than guardians. Couldn't you? Yeah, I got no opinion on that one. I know that they use like some of the architecture in the city of Cleveland to like make the logo and stuff, which I think is cool. Some of the famous buildings there in Cleveland. But uh, EJ coming in too, saying, Scott, my wife also told me no uh, when I said I was going to go watch the Broncos London, but I'm still going. She she knows better. We've been married. You know, we've been together 25 years. She knows better than tell me. no. I was like, I didn't want to get a dirt bike. She's like, well, why don't you rent one first? I'm like, damn it. She's on to me. 
Don't tell me no. I think the last time she told me no is when I told her I was going to get a motorcycle for my 30th birthday. And she said, we can't do that. I was pissed. I mean, pissed. This is in my 20s. She came back later. I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing it. I didn't say anything. I was like, I'm, I'm getting it anyway. She came back to me like a couple weeks later and says, go ahead and do it. I know you're going to anyway, and I don't want you being mad at me. <laughs> See, that's, that's smart. Yes. Yeah, she that was, it. you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, but her instant reflex was no. I'm like, yeah, don't tell me no. I'll book it today. Yeah. Uh, Kayleon Green saying, yo, good to see you, Kayleon. And this is also coming back to the Broncos secondary talk. Kwan Williams. I keep forgetting about Kwan Williams uh, as part of the equation just because I haven't seen him out there and, you know, the one year deal. But uh, I'm really excited to see Kwan Williams as well. And I think he is actually because he's so physical um, at, at that slot spot. Uh, I think he actually might be a, a turning point for me. So I'm going to go with the Broncos on that one. And look out Kareem Jackson, Kwan Williams coming together. Good Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also excited to see what Caden concerns that do out there. And uh, Turner yell. Uh, he's very physical as well. A little bit small considering how physical he is. Probably one of the reasons he missed so many games in Oklahoma. Um, but uh, we'll be interesting to see him out there as well. Look out Jamar Johnson. You better bring some special teams reps this season. Otherwise you are going to be, not on the roster. Uh, Chris Hernandez coming in saying good morning. Good morning to you, Chris Hernandez. Thank you so much for the support. Um, and also yes, Jeremy saying you, Captain Obvious. It's for my 30th birthday. I was, you know, 35 at the time. You never know. This is 49. I might stay 49 for a while. So <laughs> absolutely. Also got Paul coming in saying hello, Nick and Scott. Good to see you, Paul. Um, so back to the Broncos uh rankings here in the power rankings. I uh, haven't pulled that one up yet, so I'm gonna pull up uh what they had to say about the Broncos finishing there at number eight overall. Here we are. I'm up at the Bengals here. La-di-da. There we go. Awesome. Can you guys see that? Is that good? Boom. Eight overall. Give it one more zoom. I don't, I think if I zoom in anymore, it's going to uh, make it so you can't see it anymore. We'll do it anyway. Boop. Well, we can read the, read the words. Yeah, but the text is all that matters for us. You don't want the logo, the fancy picture. The robot horse. Um, okay, so the Broncos uh, from Dan Hanzoos finishing number eight in the pre- in the previous rank. They stay at number eight. Uh, and he says the blockbuster trade for Russell Wilson was a massive lift for the franchise, and it's hard to quibble with any transaction that ends with the arrival of a potential Hall of Famer in his prime. One minor drawback of the deal was the departure of tight end Noah Fant, who was sent to the Seattle. Denver addressed this hole in its attack through the draft, selecting UCLA's Greg Dulcich in the third round. Dulcich was a downfield playmaker in college, and he should have a clear path to an immediate role in Nathaniel Hackett's offense. So they're the Broncos at number eight overall. Um, what do you think? I, I keep seeing people talk about Dulcich in a Noah Fant-esque role. Um, how do you feel about that for the Broncos? Because Noah Fant, I know that we are, given the Broncos' anemic offensive output, fans were not always enthralled with Noah Fant. But when you put him against other tight ends in the league, he was up there, top five, top eight in a statistical output for an offense that didn't throw the ball at a high volume. So, uh, no, I mean, he had he had career highs in in catches yeah. and yards last year. Um, but Alberto Cuebanam, I don't I don't understand. Do they? Is it a lazy take, or do they know something that we don't? Because um, Alberto Cuebanam fills the hole left by Noah Fant. Um, Alberto Cuebanam still still has the two big issues that he had coming out of college. Um, not a very good blocker at the point. Neither of was Noah Fant. Noah Fant is a significantly better blocker, um, but he wasn't Al- very good. He he didn't he didn't do very well blocking last year. I didn't think of him and say, "Oh yeah, we got to have that guy blocking." It's a running play, you know. He wasn't very good at it. Yeah, and he caught a lot of passes, but didn't make a ton of plays. So, yeah. if you look back at last year, and that's not what you're you're wanting. You're wanting more than that. But mm-hmm. Albert Okawebanam is more than a justifiable replacement for 
more so than Greg Dulcich, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about who replaces Noah Fant, you know, I would have Okawebenam ahead of him. Uh, when I look at Dulcich, I start thinking, you know, hey, is this team going to play with a fullback? Sometimes. Who's that fullback going to be? You know, he you can drop him. You can drop in Dulcich as an H-back as a, as a pass-catching tight end for sure. So he's got versatility. But I think it's I just think it's kind of a, a lazy take to say, oh, they lost Fant. They drafted a tight end. Obviously, here's the replacement for Fant. No, I, I don't I don't buy that. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see how it plays out. It doesn't it really doesn't seem like the internally they're super high on Alberto Cuevanam. And I don't know if Wilson is either. So there's I don't know if there's something there behind the scenes. I guess he could prove me wrong, but given how I perceived the position to then go out there and you know 80th over on Dulcich. Okay, I get it. And then Eric Saubert. I, I don't know what's going on there. And uh, Noah Fant, not the best inline blocker. I actually thought more or less he was pretty good at uh, targeting second level uh, guys on the move. Go ahead. And I think Dulcich is okay at that too. Yes. You yep. know, he's a little undersized. He's 240, 243 pounds, 245 pounds. And I think he's just fine with using his lateral movement and his agility to get out there and get to the second level. Now, I don't want him lining up against three, four defensive ends. Um, but he can get in the way of a 245 pound edge rusher, right? Nick Benito, he can mm-hmm. do that job. And he's, I think he's really good at getting out to the second level. Yeah, I agree no, absolutely. With you. absolutely. Um, and Dulcich, I think can get there. It's probably going to take a year, um, to add more mass, especially to his base, uh, to get there, but, uh, something to think about. And the other thing with Dulcich compared to Albert Okoyebanam is, and this might not even be fully Okoyebanam's fault per se. Um, but, this is a scouting cliche and it kind of sticks out to me. Uh, but Albert Okwebenam in his routes kind of turns like a battleship. <laughs> so it's the really slow rounded out turns. And part of it is he's, you know, he's running a four or five at what? 260 pounds. Uh, momentum equal momentum equals mass times velocity, right folks? So Albert Okwebenam being that big and fast moving around uh, plays pretty tall and uh, doesn't really sink his hips in and out of his routes. Therefore doesn't really have crisp uh, breaks in his routes. Dulcich, smooth operator in space. Totally different in that regard. Noah Fant was also much more smooth in that regard than um, Albert Okoyevanon. So actually, I think what Okoyevanon's role is going to be in this offense is he's going to essentially become the Alan Lazard uh, of this team where he is that big slot option and he's going to do a lot of digging out, which, okay, Albert Okoyevanon in line, not very good blocker. As a slot compared to, you know, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, big time improvement. And he can run up the seam all day, you know, seam or kind of a curl route from that slot or, you know, crosser, et cetera, et cetera. He can do that just fine. Uh, so that's what I actually perceive Okwebenam's role to be this season. And there might be a reason why he didn't do anything but the 40. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just looked at different things. I'm like, all right, well, what is it? You know, you start talking about turning. I'm like, all right, what was his Elcone? What was his shuttle? And he didn't run any of those at the combine. And I haven't mm. looked into pro days yet to see what they were, but probably four fives or higher, probably seven, six or higher, if uh, would make sense based on how you're describing it. But again, Noah Fant, his strength was going forward. Why he didn't have more explosive plays or you know ma- bigger plays is because he was being used in a stop-and-go type of role. He wasn't getting hit on the quick slant or down the seam. He was making curl routes and stop routes and bubble screens where he's asked to catch and run instead of run and catch. So yeah. it's it's very to me that the criticisms that you have of what we've had so far of Okawebenam apply to Fan. I think that's probably why the Broncos were saying, "Okay, we, in this trade off, we want we want to send you Okawebenam." They're like, 
no, we want Fant instead. Okay, fine. Yeah. You know, there, I don't know how big a fight there was for that. Yeah, my biggest complaint with Fant and uh, Dulcich, Dulcich is not the athlete, the production, the specimen that Noah Fant was coming out of Iowa. I mean, Noah Fant's testing was phenomenal. He was like 95th percentile in his jumps and his runs and his three cone, et cetera, et cetera, 90th, 95th percentile, and was bigger <laughs> than Dulcich as well. So uh, there's, but that said, there's a reason that Dulcich went 80 and Noah Fant went 20. You know, it's not the same kind of guy. Uh, what I will say watching Dulcich's tape, and this is something that in theory Fant should have been better with, and Dulcich should not be as good given the athleticism and the body type, but God, nothing was making me gray my hair last year. I guess it, I can't say nothing because the quarterback playing Denver, but uh, what gave me a few grays uh, last year was Noah Fant getting the ball in space and only having it perfectly schemed up. Honest to God, this is what you want. One guy to beat. If you make this one man beat, who is a defensive back at that, who you have 50 pounds on, make this one guy beat, and it's off to the races. I seriously can, I seriously cannot remember one time when that happened. And there was probably at least a dozen times where they got it schemed up perfectly where, okay, one safety. If you can make this guy miss, run through him or anything, you have 20 yards or who knows, because he's fast in the open field. And he would not break the tackle. Dulcich. Not as big, not as fast, not as dynamic of a tester. Looked like a better athlete in space. Caveat here is that Pac-12 football. Yikes. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, the defensive football in the Pac-12 is, uh, I mean, honestly, God, the Pac-12 might be worse than the American Conference out there with uh, like Cincinnati and Houston and whatnot. It's, uh, it's a pretty this. tight race between that and the Big 12 and their basketball scores. You know, 65 yeah. to 58. You know, it's... Yeah. Again, uh, but if you look at Texas, the Texas high school seven on seven is a big, big event. I mean, those guys are playing passing leagues constantly, and then that's that's what they do. Then the, yeah. the rules have all changed to aid the passing game. It's got to be a correction in there somewhere, though. Deep Porter coming in, coming yellow. Just stopping by to say, hey, you guys are awesome. Deep Porter, you're awesome. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for the support, sir. We appreciate that. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, obviously Noah fan has been dealing with an deal with an ankle injury last year, uh, dealt with the sudden passing of his mother mm -hmm. dealt with, uh, you know, bad quarterback play. And the Broncos used him a lot. I know a lot of people were kind of getting upset. Sherman doesn't use the tight end. Fan was seeing a lot of targets for an offense proportionally. Um, that wasn't very high volume. Um, but uh, the biggest thing for me that just drove me nuts is that, you know, people are like, Oh, why is fan getting tackled here? Blah, blah, blah. He's, it was schemed up exactly as you want. If you have a tight end in the flat, that has one safety coming downhill to beat. That is a win schematically. That's putting the ball in your play banker's hands to do something. And uh, just never did. So hopefully Dulcich can translate that a little bit more. Um, but uh, while we're on Dulcich, what, what do you see his role being year one? Do you think there's a chance that Dulcich could end up being the starting tight end for this team? Or what, what do you think the rotation will be? There's a chance for sure. But I, I see him as a, a big H-back pass catching option. That we'll see time. Now, is he starting every time? You know, probably not. I don't know that he's a good enough blocker uh, right now to be a starting yeah. tight end, depending on in a, in a base set. But I expect, I think we'll see a lot of him. I think he's a really good receiver, a former wide receiver. He knows how to use his body, knows how to get open, good after the catch. He's got some big plays in him. And it, if you get him 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage and give him the ball, all of a sudden 245 is big, real big. So, um, I, I like him. I like the pick. I like his attitude. 
Uh, and I think uh, I think he will have a a role this year for sure. Even again, put him as an H back and drop him and drop him in the in the offensive backfield and and scheme some things for him out of there too. A little angle route, get him the ball in motion, and again move him, uh, get him the ball in the second level, and all of a sudden his size isn't an issue anymore. It's actually a plus. Yeah, you just don't no, want him lining him up in a. You don't want him in in third and one. You know, where unless it's it's an H back, you know, yeah. unless it's in the backfield, you don't want him on the line of scrimmage going against somebody that has him by 50 pounds. Yeah. No, totally. It'll be interesting to see. I do think that it's kind of funny that uh, Dulcich is, you know, and granted to Hanzoos here, well, how much are you going to write about in one blurb about 32 teams here in a power ranking? But Dulcich being the standout here. Um, if you were writing this article here, Broncos at eight overall, uh, what would you write, you know, standout wise is like the reason to justify the Broncos at eight? Uh, let's say outside of him bringing in Russell Wilson, which he did Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, I, I would talk about the depth of the wide receiver core and the offensive weapons. Um, and I wouldn't say, you know, Oh, well, and Noah Fant was replaced by Greg Dulcich. I'd say Albert Okawebenam is a capable replacement. Uh, and I would mention his measurables six, five, you know, coming in in like a high four fours, I think, or, you know, at best at worst, low four fives. I would talk about Okawebenam. Um, but I say one of the, I would say one of the reasons why Noah Fant was expendable is because they had a capable deputy in Albert Okawebenam and they have a dearth of offensive skill positions that Russell Wilson can throw to, including Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Javante Williams. And oh yeah, Melvin Gordon is coming back too. They upgraded the offense, the defensive line and got better at edge with their first, their first pick in the, in the second round, Nick Benito while bringing in Randy Gregory at edge and hopefully a full season from Bradley Chubb to go along with budding stars in the secondary like um, Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertan. Yep. That's what I would have said. Yep. You're lean- I mean, you hit the whole team. Um, I think the big thing <laughs> I would have leaned on there was the uh, how bad the Broncos pass rush was last year. And obviously they traded Von Miller hurt that, but uh, Bradley Chubb healthy off season for the first time in two years, uh, bringing in Randy Gregory, Nick Benito as well. Uh, what we saw from Jonathan Cooper last year, hopefully he'll be just as good, if not slightly better. Uh, DJ Jones and the intriguing upside of Baron Browning as a pass rusher as well. Uh, big question is uh, dearth means lack My of opposite days off on this. Sorry, Jason. Dearth seems like a lot. Dearth. Okay. It's Thank an emptiness. You. It's a lack of like a dearth of talent. Like we could say that the gosh, who's who's a terrible, the, before the Falcons drafted Drake Jackson, Drake London. God, I'm going to keep doing that forever. Before they drafted Drake London, they had a dearth of talent at wide receiver. Now they have somebody, maybe. So uh, I'm, gonna have to re- I'm just going to have to scratch that from my vocabulary because it's in my head as a lot. Absolutely. Uh, so, But I think that's the big thing for me. Um, the big thing I would hammer home is obviously you have Russell Wilson, but this year the Broncos pass rush should be much more dynamic, and that should help everything look a lot better. So excited about that. Again, we talked about it, though. Hi. It's a very volatile position as far as the ceiling versus the floor. Uh, but we'll see um, how it plays out. Um, some other ones here that stuck out for the Broncos. So we had the Chargers at 9 and the Raiders at 10 with the Chiefs at 7. Uh, goodness, any thoughts on how tightly packed the AFC West was in this uh, perception? Uh, I'm sorry. I was reading the chat because I'm embarrassed about the dearth thing. Dearth. So the, okay. you'll have to repeat the question because now I'm in, I'm turning. We used to tell the kids in baseball, you know, if you bobble it, don't throw it away. Don't turn one mistake into two. And now I am. So could you repeat the question? For sure. No, absolutely. So you have the not only the Broncos at eight, as you mentioned, but then Chiefs at seven, Chargers at nine, Raiders at 10. Uh, just how the AFC 
uh, West shakes out. Any thoughts on how they have those guys ranked? I'm actually pretty surprised to see the Chargers or the Raiders that high. So I am I they... a little bit. Yeah. Um, I still think there's some probably enamorism. I know that ain't a word yeah. of uh, with Josh McDaniels. You know, he's going to get a second chance to prove that the stuff that his success in New England can translate. Uh, but I am a little surprised there. Uh, how much better did they get? Did, did Devontae Adams, Adams make as big a difference as Russell Wilson? No. Yeah. Um, you know, but they're a, they're a solid, they're a solid team. I just think they're nine and eight type, yeah. not 11 and six type. Um, so we will see. And I, I came up with an analogy. You know, y'all never seem to believe in the Chargers, and you've been watching them a long time. <clears throat> and as I was watching the uh, baseball last night, the New York Mets getting off to a hot start, it kind of hit me. Because I, I said to myself, I'm like, yeah, but it's the Mets. They're, mm-hmm. They'll screw it up. I'm like, ah, the Mets are your Chargers. You have no faith or belief that the Chargers are going to be there at the end of the day because they're just going to screw it up. So we will see. But again, are the Denver Broncos getting enough respect? Yeah, they are. They, they're moving up into the top 10 from a bottom third team last year. Um, new coach, new quarterback, all of those things are usually question marks. But in this team, it's universally seen as a positive. So moving them up to eight, I think the, the, they are getting um, plenty of respect. But again, I agree with the idea that I wouldn't move them ahead of the Chiefs yet. The Chiefs have your number. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we have Hallstar coming in here saying uh, Raiders made the playoffs last year and added Adams and Jones. They will be good. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we know the Raiders made the playoffs last year, but we also know that the Raiders were the only team to make the playoffs with uh, a negative point differential. And boy, howdy, did they have a massive negative point differential? Not only were the only team to make it with a negative point differential, I think they were like negative 76 points on that differential. And uh, their Pythagorean wins, which is actually more predictive year to year than the actual win loss. Cause in the game, things are volatile. Um, but the Pythagorean wins takes like the point differential and other circumstances to predict what your wins will be. And I think the Raiders actually pre- were predicted to finish like six and 11 last year. And they ended up winning, <laughs> making the playoffs. So even though they added Adams, they're kind of be fighting against the, the overall data and output from last year that is more predictive than actually where they winded up. So going, you know, we talk a lot of uh, Falcons on Wednesdays. I had a comment that's in a similar vein yesterday in uh, kind of discussing players. And the guy says, well, Falcons won seven last year. I expect them to win 10 this year because they're improving. Like pump the brakes on that kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm expecting three. Um, they were lucky to win seven. Good coaching, good quarterbacking, good kicker. Um, yeah. But they weren't a seven win team last year. They weren't that good. Um and that's kind of a little bit how I feel about, you know, make, they, they made the playoffs. Well, again, eked into the playoffs with a 10 and seven. I, I think they're a 500 team. Did they get better? Yes. Is 10 a little high? It might be, but there's so many bad teams, Nick. There's so yeah. much bad football being played right now that they could go anywhere from eight to 16 and it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah. So yeah, looking it up right now for the, uh, the Raiders last year, they finished, um, 23rd in Pythagorean wins with 6.8. And uh, that's not very good. Um, And Pythagorean wins is a uh, projection of the team's wins based on point differential and points allowed and is actually historically extremely predictive um, for what the team's actually output is. And you can actually 
rather than look at what the wins lost were last year, Pythagorean wins is what uh, Vegas uses to help kind of predict what the team is going to be next year. And because football is such a small sample size sport um, over, you know, what, 17 games, a lot of things can happen. If this was a, you know, 162 games, this would tend to uh, be more in line with it over time. So even though the Raiders Finn made the playoffs last year, I would say that they are, they're going to have to battle to get back to where they were because they had a lot of luck in uh, the wins and losses. And, you know, credit to them. You know, sometimes it's good to be like that, but it is not something to predict on year to year. Uh, they should see some regression to the uh, to the norm there. And uh, keep going here. So I want to talk a little bit more here. So the Raiders at 10, I'm going to list the next few teams here. And you stop me when eventually you're like, okay, this is where the Raiders make sense because there's a few teams here that I'm like, yeah, I would take them over the Raiders. I would take them over the Raiders. I'd take them over the Raiders. So number 11, the Baltimore Ravens team had more injury luck, bad injury luck last year than any team, I think in the last 10 seasons or something like that. Uh, they should be better. I know they lost Hollywood Brown, but I expect the Ravens to be better this season than the Raiders or than the Raiders. Do you agree? Yeah. I like the Raiders a lot. Uh, I mean, I, I like the Ravens a lot and, and going down, you know, I like the Colts too. Colts. Yep. The Colts at 12 with Matt Ryan, you know, they're, they're a very similar team to where the Broncos are. Mm -hmm. And, um, they brought in a good, pretty good quarterback too, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, and how many Avogadro wins do they predict? See, we're talking about our old uh, math heads here. Uh, <laughs> gosh, you're really being a nerd there, Clee. I appreciate it. So the Colts, yeah, I'd take the Colts over the Raiders. Cowboys, I would take the Cowboys over the Raiders. That's partially because the NFC least is not very good um, compared to the AFC West. I know you're kind of ranked them up These there. These are but that's... power rankings, yeah. Which yeah. is the better team? Switch their places. Yeah. Put the Raiders switch places with the Raiders and, and Cowboys and who has the better record. I probably still take the Cowboys, but it's because I'm a, I'm a big Dak Prescott guy. Mm -hmm. I think he's a very underrated quarterback. I do not like Mike McCarthy though. Um, so yeah, they're, they're volatile. They're volatile. You know, the yeah. Cowboys are, you just never know what you're going to get out of them. Yep. And maybe that's Mike McCarthy. Maybe that's yeah. Dak Prescott. Maybe it's Jerry Jones. There's the, there's the, there's the constant there, right? Jerry world baby showing everybody his big board after day one of the draft. You got to love it. Uh, Cleveland Browns, 14 Eagles, 15 Titans, 16 Patriots, 17 Saints, 18 Dolphins, 19 and Cardinals, 20. So there's some teams there that I eventually I'd probably put the Raiders above them, but I think Raiders, instead of being 10, I'd put them probably closer to 16, 17 uh, in this ranking, you know, right in the middle of the pack. And it's because the Raiders on paper, I think their back seven is absolutely horrible. I think I have no respect for their back seven of their defense. Their secondary, they brought in Rocky Asin, who is a fine number two corner, but outside of that, it is ugly uh, there in, in Las Vegas. And you got to have some depth and uh, secondary players in this division. How do the Tennessee Titans fall from 12 and five to a 500 team in one season? That's the number one seed in the AFC as mm -hmm. well. And so they, they, they buy the, the, uh, that's another team that you should expect to see some regression this season um, overall, but to fall that far is uh, pretty shocking to see. Yeah. They had the fourth best record, you know, um, tied for the tied in that neighborhood. So that seems, that seems low ish to me. I know they don't have AJ Brown, mm -hmm. but they saw the running game. You know, if Derek Henry stays healthy. Um, they, sh they shouldn't be eight and nine. That'd be a pretty big drop off for them to drop into that neighborhood. Wouldn't it? Yeah, and also they have the benefit of uh, playing in the AFC South, which uh, obviously the Texans will be slightly improved, the Jags will be slightly improved, but that should be three and a half wins right there. Mm -hmm. uh, Colts, I think, are obviously, I would say, the best team in that division right now. I'm a huge uh, Frank Reich fan, man. I Maybe was part of it scheduling, it. Nick. You know, they get yeah. a number one, but they had a number one schedule last year. You know, again, yeah. I don't see them falling all the way to six, six to, 
to have that big of a drop off. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but the Broncos finishing there at eight. Um, so we're, we're very much about, you know, having the overall nuance of the discussion here, Scott. And last thing I want to get to you here before we get on out, let's put a ceiling and a floor as far as this ring, because eight feels about right. Uh, considering the teams we read there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that given where the Broncos fall, they do have a somewhat of a range. So put them in a tier here. Um, how high would you have the Broncos in this ranking as like, you know, the ceiling outcome and more likely for the value as you perceive them right now versus Broncos are at eight overall. They could win a Super Bowl and be number one. Okay. You get yes, a little I bit hate. of tunnel vision. And uh, yeah. Nick, you froze up just a little bit. So Uh-oh. hopefully you can still hear me there. Yeah, you're back. Again. Uh, you get a little bit of tunnel vision because, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, but. You know, but the right tackle isn't great. Oh, what are we going to do at center? Well, everybody's got holes. We just don't know them in and out like we do other teams. So I like Buffalo on the whole. Pretty, I think they're a pretty yeah. complete team. So them at number one makes sense to me. And yeah. looking at the AFC, could is the ceiling number two? Well, I mean, the ceiling obviously is number one. You know, yeah. Josh Allen gets hurt. Buffalo falls off. But let's say, you know, without any kind of, Wild cards like that. I think Buffalo is clearly better than Denver right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that could change by the end of season. So for me in the AFC, the ceiling would be two. You know, if everything comes together, if Russell Wilson comes in and plays at a, at a Pro Bowl level, it's it's number two for me because the, the, the team that's ahead of him is the Chiefs. And can this team be better than the Chiefs? Yes, it can. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, it can. But you look over in the on the other side of things, uh rams yeah they're not invulnerable packers come on bucks yeah they're you know i mean at some point you know they got beat fairly early last year um but it was by the super bowl champion but you know where i'm going with this so right now the ceiling could be two the floor put them down there with the tennessee titans around 16 uh where they are based on russell wilson takes a year for him to figure out everything what's going on. Um, you know, he's maybe he has regressed some, I don't think so. The right tackle position and center position don't get answered. Your edge goes worst case instead of best case. You have a big hole at safety because you didn't upgrade the other safety position opposite, um, Justin Simmons. Those are the questions. The floor for this team should be 500. Yeah. The ceiling for this team should be 14 and three. Yeah. I'm going to go a little bit tighter in my parameters Mm -hmm. than you there. Um, So I'll put the Broncos well behind, uh, not well behind, but just tier discussion wise until they show it on the field, I'm not going to rank them above any of the following teams, the bills, the Rams, the bucks, the Packers and the chiefs. So that puts the Broncos at bills, bucks, Packers, chiefs, six overall as their ceiling right now. If somebody put them at six, I'd have no argument with that. I think you could put them with the Bengals. I think you could put them with the 49ers. Uh, Below that, um, I think the Broncos, they're better than the Raiders, but if you wanted to say the Chargers were better, I wouldn't fight you too hard. If you wanted to say the Ravens, if you wanted to say the Colts, if you wanted to say the Cowboys, you wanted to say the Browns. I wouldn't fight you on any of those teams too hard. Maybe even the Titans and the Eagles, but those two, I would put Broncos above them. So that puts the Broncos anywhere from like five to 16, which 16 is 500, you know, middle of the pack. Um, So that's what it makes sense to me. Uh, Obviously, Broncos get hot, get in the Super Bowl. The coaching staff hits the ground running with Russell Wilson. Could be number one overall this year. This is a team that is literally in a Super Bowl window right now. The draft kind of reflects that. We're going for it right now. Uh, but that's kind of the more compressed uh, range that I perceive the Broncos right now. Um, so, I mean, uh, heck, what's the floor? If Russell Wilson gets, I won't even say it, but let's say, you know, Josh Johnson's plays some snaps this year. Your floor is very low <laughs> in that case. So, yeah, but, uh, I mean, that goes yeah. for, you know, if Josh Allen goes out, we're not talking about Buffalo Bills anymore. Yeah. 
Nope. You know, I mean, that's that goes for everybody. So again, it, 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 we're not going to try and predict. Throw the wild cards out the window, yeah. you know, like that, because that that throw all bets are off with a big with a key injury for any of these teams. They're just not enough good quarterbacks for a team to lose their number one and be a competitive team, a Super Bowl contender. For me, six to twelve sounds about right. But you said floor and ceiling, so yep. I mean, what's the ceiling? Is best case, right? Best case for me, I think this team is just a little bit below the Buffalo Bills. Worst case, middle of the pack, eight and nine, 16. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Well, guys, we're going to get on out of here. A lot of uh, tight end talk. Maybe we'll get, we're going to break down the positions more when the offseason gets here, when we are, you know, I wouldn't say scraping the bottom of the barrel for content, but really having a chance to get super deep into minutia and spe- specifics of the roster and the team itself. So, uh, Scott, any thoughts before I get the read on out of here and get us on home? Uh, I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, don't want to talk too much soccer, but the Champions League game yesterday between Manchester City and Real Madrid was unfricking believable. Spend your afternoon watching a Champions League match. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you're not watching anything else. You know, unless you're a day baseball person, then okay. Then yeah. okay. No, Scott, you, everybody's. Don't listen to Scott. 2023 draft picks. That's what we need to start doing. We need to get this the grinding starting right now. Um, cornerbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, edge rushers. We're gonna have some. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm starting to daydream about summer and all the hikes and backpacking trips to come. So that's what's ahead of me. Uh, DWI guys coming in saying from balls to dearth. <laughs> this show has it all. Not a dearth of balls, um, though. Uh, we'll say that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Great show, gents. Broncos for breakfast. Hashtag the closer. One more thing. One more thing. Because I felt like you, you were reading his and not quite into uh, into your sign off. Tomorrow, uh, same bat time, same bat channel. So in the same time frame, Thomas Hall will be doing a Legends of uh, Broncos. I'm not sure exactly the name of the show, uh, but be here tomorrow. Come check it out on this channel. Uh, it's a new show launching in May, talking about history, going down the road, all those type of things. Uh, I'll be in the background on that on that one. I'll help uh, produce and be part of the conversation for a little while. But uh, check it out. New show tomorrow. Awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate you. Um, we're going to get on out of here. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you are a part of our Facebook communities at Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle, as well as Facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod. And uh, please like, subscribe, and share over on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you're joining in tomorrow. And uh, everyone have a great day. Thursday. I'm going to go see Dr. Strange with Natalie uh, tonight so that we're going to be nerding it up. So everyone have a good one. Uh, We appreciate you. Until next time, choose kindness, choose compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning.